www.staggeringstories.net podcast series one, number one, the pilot episode. Welcome to the Staggering Stories' first proper podcast. It's our pilot podcast, really. You'll be able to tell. Yes, um, it's, it's very waffly. Only in parts. Waffly versatile. Waffly versatile. Oh, God, I can't believe you said that. Um, anyway, better introduce ourselves. I'm Tony. I'm Adam. And I'm Andy. And we're three very special people, so our parents keep telling us. The doctor tells me that, too. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, our benefits slips say that. Yeah. Um, anyway... Uh, this is, like I say, our first pilot podcast, which hopefully will become a regular thing. Proper yep. podcast as opposed to pilot podcasts. Uh, we're going to be talking about all sorts of different things. If you're wondering where um, Keith, the fourth member of the Staggering Stories team, is, uh, well, we sent him up the Amazon. Uh, he's looking, I believe, well, we've told him that um, he's looking for some new and interesting fungi, quite yes. frankly. Entertaining fungus. I'm going to hurt you. Okay, Fun- I'm not going to do it on air, but I am. I'm going to hurt you. Fun guy to be with. I'm going to hurt you an awful lot. Uh, hopefully, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to take what we've done here today. We're going to edit it all down and turn it into the world's very first edible podcast. Why edible? Uh, well, it's a new marketing ploy I'm working on, which quite f- frankly means you can have your podcast and eat it. It's going to be mm-hmm. great for the Ricky Gervais one because you can flush it down the glue and just cut out the middleman. <laughs> I see. Mmm, Ricky Gervais, what a guy. Okay, before we continue, I feel I should read out uh, a little poem, courtesy of Domino's Pizza. I want to see if you can actually guess what the end of the poem is. So, barbecue sauce? Anybody? No? It's tasty with rats. (laughs) Adam? Uh, No. Okay. Barbecue sauce, it's delicious, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, I'm just imagining some marketing man for Domino's sitting there basically going, I know, let's do poetry on our dips. Dear God. Anyway, our very first topic. Hooray! Um, Doctor Who. We've got to talk about Doctor Who, because quite frankly, people would say, hang on a moment, they're doing a podcast and they're not talking about Doctor Who, I want my money back. Yes, you are paying for this. In your sanity. Yes, yes, quite right too. So, series 29. 29. Yes, 29. Look, you insist on it years being 2006, 2007, etc. This is series 29. No. Yes. For all of those listening, I'm surrounded by pedants. So, um, at the time of recording, was it June the 12th? It is. Or way back when? Way back, June twelfth, twenty o seven. Basically, we've got we've just had Blink, haven't we? Yes, we have. The next episode will be Utopia. Uh, all things being equal, uh, John Barrowman will continue his domination of Saturday evenings. <laughs> where basically, he's been on what was it all the way through this Joseph thing? Mm, Any dream will do. And, and now it's stopped. Um, he's back in Doctor Who. It's uncanny. It makes a change from back in Graham Norton. <laughs> it's going to be a long evening. I may have already said that, but it's really feeling... It feels like I'm in cutter time <laughs> from Primeval, the man on tranquilizers, quite frankly. I mean, the guy's just... Sinclair 2. Sinclair, yeah. Commander Sinclair 2, quite frankly. I mean, you know, surely the man should be a little bit more excitable about dinosaurs and wives uh, and things. I mean, no, Andy, really. you bought the box set. I take it it's an extended edition to fit all his speeches in. <laughs> Yes, the twelve disc version. <laughs> yes, yeah. the collected speeches of Professor Cutter. What was it you said? Uh, the man who lives his life in thirty-three and a third. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I do like that. That's a good gag. Yes, the only man who lives his life in thirty-three and a third RPM. Ah oh, dear, how to wander off subject. There was a subject. There was a subject. We were going to be talking about Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. Oh, remember Doctor Who? Yes. Stories. Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. <laughs> yes, of course. The two are inextricably linked due to my obsession. Yes. So, what do we think so far of series three? Pretty good. Yeah, mm, very good. I'd say they're saving the best episodes until last. Well, I hope so. <coughs> oh, well, there's a bit of a dip in the middle there. I thought. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't impressed. Dalek. Daleks in Manhattan, I mean. 
it was entertaining, but I mean, it didn't really grab me, sort of thanks to the Radio Times publishing what uh, the new mutant version of Sec would look like. Didn't grab you by the tentacles. Um, in a manner of speaking. You did say tentacles, didn't you? Yeah. They basically, they, they couldn't, from what I gather, they couldn't resist the opportunity. They are given the option for the front cover as long as, I don't know, and they, they wanted to give something really big, so it was the Dalek set mutant. But they effectively killed those entire two episodes. I think, no, mm. I'm not so certain, to be honest with you. I don't think that was as big a... I don't think that it was because of that that killed the episodes. I think the episodes were flat in general. Well, I hadn't seen the front cover to Radio Times, and I still wasn't impressed with it. No, frankly, it was a it was a very flat story, and I don't think it treated the Daleks very well. Amusing, yes, amusing. Yep, it was almost sex. the chase, the chase, the chase. Well, in the in in the chase, they had comedy Daleks. That is what that is what I like to pick up upon. I mean, I mean, okay, even those all the t- the estate of Terry Nation sort of. Um, <laughs> he has been to London Fields House. Yes. Yeah. Now he is in Ginster's house. Yep. I do believe there's been a slight case of overkill. Yes. It felt like they'd run out of ideas when it came to that Dalek from Manhattan. I mean, making a Dalek half human? Why? Unless they're trying to go somewhere with it. I mean, it is an ongoing story arc with the Daleks, i.e. the last of their species. There's one left now, but... Well, technically two. The question is, I mean, how... It depends on where you are standing temporarily. Yes. <laughs> the question is, how can they sort of carry on from that? Because I just feel there's been a slight case of overkill. I mean, as the saying goes, familiarity breeds contempt. And uh, in the, or if you like to call it the original series, you know, sort of Pertwee Baker et al. Um, they're only Sorry, used... Pertwee Baker Davison, not et al. <laughs> I'm speaking metaphorically. Peter et al. The Fifth Doctor. <laughs> I mean, they were used sparingly, and I think to more effect, whereas um, in the past three series, it's been very much a case of, right, let's, right, Terry Nation's only allowing us to have them for three, you know, for three seasons, so let's use them as much as possible. I think they're just trying to grab ratings, grab, you know, headlines. Well, they always have done with the Daleks. They've always used the Daleks to bring the ratings in. And yeah. in the old days, the Daleks would come along, but for the first couple of episodes, the ratings would be up, and then they'd drift off. I Normally because Terry Nation had written exactly the same story again. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, I don't know. I think that they will be in Series 4. I hope not. But I think they will be. If not, then Series 5. Cybermen. They will be back. Ah, now, there's rumours. Again, there's all sorts of rumours, and the trouble we have talking about rumours and stuff like that is you don't want to know anything, do you, Adam? No. <laughs> no, which makes it very difficult to talk this through, this subject. Spoiler-free, that's me. <laughs> oh, dear. Nobody has ever spoiled him. <laughs> A few characters would like to see the return of, I mean... Okay, admittedly, sort of, um, the Jadoon and the Suntarans, they do look very much alike. But, I mean, I would like to see the Suntarans back again. They look alike, but they're not alike in any other way, I don't think. Well, no, not the really. Thing, the only reason they look alike is they've got slightly silvery uniforms and they've got a helmet. <laughs> for now, for now. I was going to say, don't waggle your eyebrows, it doesn't work on audio. And <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Um, well, <clears throat> Keith's favourite and mine, the Sea Devils. Yeah. Brilliant music for that. Acrobatic. Sea dwellers. It was brilliant music. I'm sorry, it was experimental. It was bold. It could be annoying in places, but I. Nah. You're all peasants. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, Philistines. Um, all right, so we've slagged off evolution of the Daleks. Quite frankly, we, as far as we're concerned, that's the weak point of the series so far. Yes. Yeah. Would, would mm-hmm. that be a general consensus? I think so. My God, we've agreed on something. Um. I mean, I enjoyed Smith and Jones. I thought that was a hell of a lot better than New Earth. I preferred New Earth myself, but I'm just perverse like that. Yes, what can I say? <laughs> Billy in a push-up bra. We have to put up with this every Friday evening. How can you disagree with that? Well, I, I, no, no, I, I, well, I don't know. I'll ask Chris Evans. <laughs> Anybody here been divorced? No. Pertwee? He's divorced from life. <laughs> uh, his body is, anyway. Well, yes. I better explain in all fairness this Pertwee head thing. Do you think well, we should? I mean, he's no, sitting there no. staring at us. With his jaunty hat. I do like that. The, the hat. The hat is very jaunty. It's cocked at a jaunty angle. It is. Yes. Don't forget, folks, you can actually see the Pertwee, the, sorry, the Doctor's head webcam. Yes, the webcam's on it now. Yes. Um, if you want to sort of go to staggeringstories.net and uh, um, there's a link somewhere. Uh, it's under Oddities or uh, Create Club, perhaps. We should really check this. Yes, we, we really should have checked this out beforehand. Check the Career Club, because the Mr. Dalek webcam oh, yeah. is still going. I'm afraid Mr. Dalek is still stuck behind 
Adam's. Uh, yeah, what was that? Gathering dust, it's a cupboard. Ooh. It's a cupboard. Yep. I should fish me out someday, but uh, I think you exterminate me. So, you know. Two webcams going. If you want to check out uh, the Doctor's head, uh, please do right now. He's, the webcam's on him, and as you can see, it's real time. Well, it's snapshots of real time. Which... Take his hat off. Yes. It's amazing how something with no body and no limbs can be so mobile. Is his lips? Uh, that thing's wind. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, you know. Either that or he's got a very long tongue. <laughs> I enjoyed Smith and Jones. I thought it was a good start, good opener. Quite good. I like their face to faces. Their face, what? The trailers? No, uh, alas, Smith and Jones. Uh. I really want to hit him with this clipboard. We've got clipboards, listen. That is Tony doing his best Dennis Norton impression. <laughs> ah, but if you're one of those people, clipboards are very useful. <laughs> Don't make me do the Alec Guinness. Out of the corner of my mouth. <laughs> yes, all right, you sick bastards. So, Shakespeare Code. Very good. Very good? Entertaining, yes, very. Right, yes. Christina Cole, you can't go wrong. Now, interestingly enough, somebody on the Gelomet forums, forum.gelomet.com, and I'm not going to spell that for you. But you can't get into it unless you've got a login. Yeah, yeah but it's free. <laughs> True. Not going to cost you anything, and you're not going to get any spam through your, your inbox for it, unless you actually reply to a topic, whereupon, <laughs> you know, you get told someone's replied to your topic. You almost sound like Crichton there, Tony. I used to do a Crichton impersonation. I had the face for it. Um, anyway, so on the Gehelmet forum, one person was actually a little bit annoyed with the Shakespeare Code, thought that very possibly Doctor Who wasn't supposed to be about witches and magic and stuff like that. They haven't seen much of the old series then. No, and was actually a little bit peed off with it. And also uh, a bit cheesed off with the Rose hangover. <laughs> Doctor Who's not supposed to be about emotion. The old Doctor Who, probably not so much, but... Uh... No, but I mean, nowadays, I, th I think they've done the right thing. Well, they have. They've, they've, they've headed the right way. In case you're wondering what all these creaks are behind me, I'm sitting on a leather armchair, and I've just leaned back, and I'm quite simply being decadent. <laughs> decadent? I feel decadent. I do, I do. In fact, you're very lucky I'm not wearing a toga to record this. Yeah, he's wearing nothing. Uh, that could be arranged. Uh, no, that's quite right. <laughs> are you sure? I mean, we could, we could fix up a webcam, couldn't we? Laws against that sort of thing. Ah, <laughs> I don't know. You people are no fun. <laughs> anyway, so the thing was, I mean, what needed to be explained there was quite simply that the age old, I can't remember what the name of the law is. There's a, I don't know if it's an invented law, but any technology sufficiently advanced could be considered to be magic. Mm, or is indistinguishable from, from magic. From magic, yeah. I can't remember what the name of that is. It's, and whether it's an actual law or if it's actually just made up for science fiction. Uh, it is. I can't remember who it was. Clark? Uh, probably Arthur C. Clarke. With the Shakespeare Code, of course, the point being that instead of... It's a very simple premise. The Carrier Knights obviously uh, used words instead of numbers to form equations. The right sort of combination of words had the same effect as the, as the right sort of combination of numbers do in our science. Yes. You might think that's a little bit silly, but we're talking about a guy who travels through time and space in a large blue box. It's not far removed from the old block transfer computation sort of idea, is it? No, exactly. But of course, um, certain people might not be familiar with block transfer computation, so I'll point them in the direction of Logopolis. As you frequently uh, do. Logopolis. I love Logopolis. I still listen to that music, you know. Now I've got it. There was this problem, the slight perceived thing that was a little bit too Harry Potter. Now, I have to admit, I didn't know, I didn't recognise the quote at the end. Well, there was a reference to uh, good old JK at the end. Andy Expiliarmus, or however you pronounce it. Ex-Billy what? Ex-Billy-Armus or...? Expurgation. Uh, I've, I've absolutely no idea at all. But it's just a, a kind of pop culture joke as you find throughout the rest of the series. Well, yes, quite right. I mean, we're not just talking about uh, sort of this series. We're talking a whole 45 years. 44 years this year. Well, all right, we'll go to Gridlock next. <laughs> the Macra! Hey! Yes, the Doctor's got crabs. Um, oh, John, crabs. Yes. I thought it was a lovely idea, quite frankly. I mean, it meant nothing to anybody who didn't know who the Macro were. You know, it's just a new beastie that had been CGI'd so well that technically they should have fallen flat on their faces because their claws were so big. Um, yeah. I thought Gridlock was beautifully done. Oh, yeah. Me too, me too. Particularly as it did smack a bit of a budget episode, but it didn't harm it anyway, don't think. No, but can you imagine possibly not when you think about the CGI? That's true. I, they skimped on the sets, maybe, but made up for it in the CGI. Certainly. Certainly. But, uh, yeah, a nice chunky episode, I think. Uh, a steady, reliable performer. Well, I was quite right when I heard about the Macra. I thought, the Macra is a, a villain? 
But in the end, I didn't know the matter. The... I'd heard rumours about them. I'd heard that, that, yeah, there was really the odd rumour, but I had absolutely such. no idea at all. Yeah, I mean, the way they were portrayed in Gridlock, Gridlock was just as insensate beasts. Yeah. Oh, dear, there are no macra here. <clears throat> Sorry, but every time, the, every thread that mentioned the macra yeah. or the possibility of the macra on Outpost Gallifrey, uh, which is www.gallifrey1.com. Oh God, this is getting silly. It, you can click on that link just by rewinding this this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, anyway, um, every time uh, somebody would always say there are no macra. Which was an ongoing thing in the Macra Terror, where basically the authorities denied. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I, I shouldn't go into so much exposition, really, should I? The thing I liked about uh, Gridlock was the way it tied up uh, threads from the first, well, call it the first season of the new series, where um, the Doctor actually finds out he is not alone. I mean, All obviously right, yes. that points to a lot of things in the uh, final couple of episodes. I was going to say, we... yes, because there's been certain things dropped that I don't know if we can actually say. In front of old Adam over there. Things in my ears. Not listen to the edit. <laughs> I mean, there's certain options about who Mr. Saxon is. Yes. And also about the face of Bo's message not necessarily being correct, but at the same time being correct. Yes. Mm, there again, the face of Bo, when he sort of said it, he was in his last legs. But, but he'd been wanting to say it for quite a while. Yeah, last legs, face, um, <laughs> big giant head. That was um, oh dear, <laughs> no Shatner. Um, <laughs> William Shatner is going to be a recurring theme during this podcast. Yes, this is why Keith has actually gone up the Amazon to try and get away from any Shatner references. He can try. Uh, Shatner was after you. Um, <laughs> Evil Evolution of the Daleks. Now, there's mention possibly that. See, next year is all the anniversaries. 45th, and basically they all converge. So we're in for a horrible next season, then? Not necessarily. I thought it's, it depends whether the, the uh, production team actually decide to acknowledge it or not. Well, looking at past anniversaries. Yeah, but that's past production doctors. teams. Well, yeah, but that's always been a, a big anniversary. You know, sort yes. of the 10th anniversary of the Three Doctors, the 20th anniversary of the Five Doctors, the 30th anniversary with Dimensions in Time. Oh, look, there's a Tower of Rassilon. Actually, quite like the Five Doctors, but it, you know, I wouldn't want to see it repeated in a new form. I don't, I don't they, uh, Russell T. Davis has apparently said music. no multi-doctor stories. Don't know how close they stick to it. What I'm thinking, in fact, what a lot of people have been arming about is Davros. Will they bring Davros back? Now, apparently, again, Russell T. Davis has sort of said, "I don't like Davros. I don't want to use him. He weakens the Daleks." He also mentioned he wouldn't bring back the Master as well at one point, and that may or may not hold true by the end of this season. Mm, I don't know. I, I think yeah, it could be the Master pretending to be the Rani. Uh, new Doctor. Yeah. I mean, would it be appropriate to introduce a new Doctor for the new millennium? I mean, a new Master for the new millennium? Why not? We don't know who it's going to be. What's going to happen now? That's the one thing I'm very happy about this season so far. I mean, we're what ten episodes in, and the ending is still up in the air. I don't know for certain what's going to happen. In the first series, sorry, <clears throat> series 27, um, we knew that Eccleston was going. I mean, we had three days of bliss and then, oh God. Um, second series, we eventually realised that Billy was leaving. There was still the yep. big surprise of the Daleks. Yeah. However, that had been rumoured, but again, it was never confirmed. Yeah. This year... Uh, and plus, we had the Torchwood thing going all the way through, and we knew what Torchwood was. Unfortunately. This year, we know Mr. Saxon's a politician. We know he's probably going to become the Prime Minister. If he's not already. Um, the question is, who the hell is he? And I love the fact that even at, by now, so, you know, episode 10, at the time of recording this, mm -hmm. still haven't got the faintest idea. We've got ideas of what it might be. I mean, yeah. okay, there's a lot of supposition going around, but I mean, obviously the BBC are keeping things very close to their chest at the moment. Unusually. And Doctor Who, Doctor Who Monthly, I mean, I imagine this all being very much the same as well. Uh, I can't remember what the magazine said. Uh, I mean, basically, the, the tone of it is political thriller. Uh, Heavy-handed political thriller, a bit like State of Play, Edge of Darkness, that sort of thing. If they can pull it off, that would be excellent. But can they? I don't know. You can't, can't imagine Captain Jack in anything that serious. I don't know, after Torchwood, that wasn't a whole barrel of laughs, was it? Minute? Oh, God, no. Don't, don't, don't. Torchwood, the programme that didn't know what it wanted to be. <clears throat> Better luck next time. Uh, same again with Robin Hood, but we won't go into that. 
<laughs> so where were we? We went evil evolution, evil evolution of the Daleks. Uh, Daleks in Manhattan. Uh, snakes on a plane. No Samuel. Jackson. Muppets. Muppets. Take Manhattan. Muppets take Manhattan. That's almost <laughs> like it. <laughs> okay. Lazarus experiment. Okay. Not <laughs> particularly great, but okay. Traditional sort of Doctor Who, I would say. Crumbly? Uh, watchable episode, but I mean, rather dodgy CGI for the creature. Oh, the face was supposed to look like Mark Gatiss's, and I didn't think it did. I know. Not to me. Unfortunately, but it I mean, we're being me picky. more of Joe about the lawnmower, man. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, no, I'd agree with you on that one. Apparently they did try to make it look a little more monstrous. And, what, the Mark Gatiss? Is that yes. possible? I think they went too far and you couldn't even recognise him, but hmm. who knows. I'm, viewers might be interested to know, I'm currently putting my little finger up to my mouth in a Dr. Evil-style way. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, he's just got some chicken stuck between his teeth. Hmm, chicken. Uh, I've eaten far too much chicken recently. Don't even get me started. Anyway, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice, good, again, another chunky episode. Nothing brilliantly great woohoo about it no. but it wasn't terrible and it did the job it was meant to do yes remember it was one of those things that progressed the ongoing story arc as well as being quite it was quite atmospheric especially in the um the cathedral yeah that was mad a bit quatermass yes well mm, very I was just much about to say that the final confrontation between uh, the dog well take your pick of the doctors and the uh, creature in the in the cathedral yes uh, the good thing was that they didn't use the cgi by using a glove puppet <laughs> <laughs> why am i thinking of sooty Actually, I'm thinking of the Vandal Ambassador from Timelash, but I have problems like that. <laughs> um, right, 42. No, I'm not doing a Valentine Dial impersonation. 42, what do we think? Well, Stun silence again. Yeah. A very good cliffhanger episode. A cliffhanger episode. Cliffhanger episode. Pourquoi? The way everything was, was left until the last minute, I mean, all right, it was rather typical in the fact that the Doctor managed to sort of get the ship systems back online right at the last second and get them all snatched from the jaws of a very messy and uh, crispy death. Standard stuff, though, when you're up against a clock, though, isn't it? You always get down to, you know, one second left or seven if you're double Not seven. always. I point you into the direction of Inferno. Oh. Yes, where I think they had 32 seconds left. 32? I, I could be wrong. I may have to check the DVD to be exact. <laughs> Something like that. They, they, basically, it didn't go for the cliche. Okay. It's sort of, yeah, it was running down, but they had time to kill. Why didn't they just stand around talking for a bit until it got down to zero? No, no, they didn't even do that. They actually did, quick, we better stop it, just in case, and stopped it before it got to zero. Hey, it didn't restart suddenly. In the no, 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 no. It was a case of, my God, Monday yeah. Inferno is a quality story. Really? Eye patches? Eye patches included, yes, yes, and Shine on Martian Moons <laughs> by Pertwee. Human nature and the family of blood. Well, everybody raved about the first part, and I really didn't. I thought it was really slow and didn't go anywhere at yeah, all. Yeah, but there again, sort of, first part of a sort of two-part story, they generally set the scene anyway. Well, traditionally, if you go back to the original two-parter, back in the Eccleston months... <laughs> the Eccleston week, surely. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> the Empty Child, I always thought, was a far better episode than The Doctor Dances. I thought the first part was superior to the second. And the same was probably true of Satan Pit, the Impossible Planet. So I was kind of expecting the same thing again. So when the first part dragged, I was a bit concerned that the second part would kind of let things down even further. Oh, no, far from it. I mean, the second part, I mean, that more than made up for any sort of shortcomings the first well, episode might have had. Yeah, I completely agree. The second part was excellent. Mm, but I still so. think they could have done an extra element in the first part to I pick think, it up a bit. I, I think it sheds more light on these sort of certain certain facets of the uh, Doctor's personality. The way he dispatched the various members of the family of blood, I mean, it showed such a cold fury at the life he could have led, and yet was snatched away from him in order to deal, deal with them. I'd like to break this longest silence on my part in this podcast. It's interesting you picked up on the Doctor's fury. We basically had a communication from somebody that called themselves Kai, so-called Ying. From oh, yes. uh, the Jehelmet Elite Army. There's a guild in uh, Star Wars Galaxies. Star Wars and Galaxies, yeah. Kai basically turned around and said this was the first one of the new series he'd actually watched. By new series, I'm assuming, in fact, I'm pretty sure he means over the past three years, he hasn't seen any of them. Yeah. And Not he doesn't remember the healthy. Doctor being so judgmental, so righteously angry, so punishing. So, you know, this, not going out to deliberately punish things. Yeah. Well, as you recall him saying in an earlier episode, he says, I used to be so full of uh, mercy. Yes, I'm so old now, I used to be so full of mercy. Mm, that's it. That's no the second school chances. And like you say, no second chances. Mm. Yes, I'm going to throw that Satsuma off somewhere. <laughs> I think he was very cool to that Satsuma. What had the Satsuma done to him? That's mm. what I want to know. I could be missing yeah. the big picture here, slightly. Uh, I doubt it. I always wondered why 
a bit of a platform designed to fall away like that. Oh, well, in case of Satsuma attack. Well, of course. Oh, yes. But it raises an interesting question, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to actually talk about Doctor Who and the current series. This judgmental Doctor, the, the force for good, the complex space-time event that is that person, where has this sprung from? Because in the previous, mm-hmm. the old incarnation of the series, uh, no pun intended, the Doctor wasn't really like that. No. He didn't set out to punish things until you got to the seventh Doctor. Hmm, I'm not convinced, but go on. Uh, well, yeah, because he, he, the, the Seventh Doctor, I mean, look at Remembrance of the Daleks, look at Silly Nemesis, Happiness Patrol. He went out of his way to sort things out. To sort them out, not to punish, I don't think. Hoist them on their own petard. Up to perhaps. a certain extent, it was a case of, he again, he went out of his way. The trouble didn't come to him, he went to the trouble. Yes, he was just being proactive. Yes, exactly. Now, that then got taken by the New Adventures. Uh-huh. Now, this is where you two, I'm presuming, are going to be in a very unfamiliar territory. Yes. Mm, yes. Okay. The new adventures were books. books. They didn't have pictures in them, most of them, and they weren't chewable. Oh. Couldn't take them in the bath. Have I simplified this too much? Uh, nope. Most people listening to this will know what the new adventures were, but in case you don't, they were a range of Doctor Who books produced by a virgin. Oddly enough, didn't they come out with I'm a virgin Doctor Who reader badge. They used to have an I'm a target Doctor Who reader. But not I'm a virgin. Yes, I... I for the life of me, Fathom, why not? No. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all but one of them featured the Seventh Doctor, but it was a very... They took these, this proactive Seventh Doctor from the TV series yeah. and took him almost to the logical conclusion. They, we found out who the Doctor was right. to a certain extent, where he'd come from. We found out about his family. And it, uh-huh. basically, he could just flex a muscle somewhere and there would be a hurricane somewhere else, almost. A god. As they're trying to make the lonely god, yes, and obviously this had repercussions which they addressed in the book range. Yeah, repercussions emotionally for him and his companions and how he used them. And eventually they moved away from that particular doctor, and they gradually developed him towards the doctor we saw in the TV movie, slightly more mournful, slightly alone. Okay. Mm. Yeah, but the thing is with a family of blood, I mean, I think it sheds a whole new light on the doctor's personality. I mean, up to a point. The thing is, I think that. Seeing he was forced to become human, I mean, he's taken on all the, all the traits that we take for granted. And so I suppose in a way he's, he's reveled in them. And so to have those sort of snatched away from him by becoming a Time Lord again, I mean, that, I is, why he, that is why he acted in the way he did. I'm not I don't so know. sure. Okay. No, I'm not so certain. He was being forgiving, yeah, sort of considering the power he had, he had at his command. I mean, okay, he allowed them to live. I mean, that much is yeah, sort of definite. But I mean, sort of, he consigned them all to various types of living hell. Yeah, for instance, the father. He yeah, was draped in chains Dwarf made from... Dwarf star so- alloy. Well, so- yeah, solid neutronium. Uh, the mother was imprisoned in the heart of a black hole, never to return again. I mean, the daughter was Im- imprisoned in every single mirror, yet only to be seen as a fleeting glimpse. Yeah. And the brother, he was uh, frozen in time and sort of made to become, well, right, his wish was granted. Pickled in time. Mm, well, not pickled in, sort of frozen in time. Well, literally to guard over the land, or albeit as a scarecrow. Yeah, but I think he was planning to do that originally anyway. The reason mm. he ran was so he wouldn't do that to them. Yeah. Mm. That's well, I mean, that is the thing, sort of, the Doctor avoids confrontation at all costs unless it's absolutely necessary. Well, this is what I'm trying to get at. When Kai was turning around and basically saying he's never like, like this, he was. In the books, he was. And to a certain extent, during the Seventh Doctor, it's a case of, all right, I've tricked you into a hoist on your own petard, as yeah. you said. But, you know, it was a case of, I'm not going to be forgiving as such. You're going down, my son. And I honestly think that, yeah, this is a development of the Doctor that has been long-term coming. And what you've got to remember is that the programme is produced by fans to all intents and purposes yes. as shown by last Saturday's remember June the 12th blah 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 last Saturday's Doctor Who Confidential yes the David Tennant one Human Nature and the Family of Blood is written by Paul Cornell yes who's one of the main influences on the Virgin New Adventures yes so that particular thing of the Doctor being a vengeful judge, jury and executioner building up over the time that the Doctor hasn't been on the air I, Which is yeah. a rather strange thing, because I it does mean that people who have come to the series can then go, hang on, it didn't used to be like this. Yeah, I, I don't think they would put that down to any of the books. I think they'd put that down to the Time War. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has, he's toughened up. I, I, there's yeah, no two I mean, Eccleston was a completely different type of Doctor to anything before because of the Time War. Yeah. I think they put all this new dark side down to the Time War, not to anything that happened in the Virgin New Adventures, even though it may have been coloured by that. 
they wouldn't use that as an explanation for why the Doctor is like that in any way. I do wish you hadn't used the word dark side. <laughs> why um, I'm, I'm just a rose. I am your father. Um, <laughs> sorry. We can say, yes, we enjoyed that two-parter. Yes. Yes. So yes. Very much yes. Some Some thumbs well along. Second part. Blink. 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 Don't blink. Yes, blink. Again, very good. And as a Doctor Light episode, you know, Diet Doctor Who, yeah. it was... Very dark, very disturbing, and very sinister. Very well plotted, I thought. Yes, very clever. Also, I liked the main characters. I prefer Sally Sparrow to Martha, frankly. I would rather, I think... I haven't seen much of Sally Sparrow. I haven't seen much of Martha, either, really. I think she would make a more interesting character than Martha, who just comes across as somewhat irritable, you know, it's completely head over heels for the Doctor, you know. I have a feeling that's going to be addressed at some point. Well, clearly it is, they've got a plan, but it doesn't make her quite likeable, at least to me, as Rose. Rose seemed to have, she had more fun in her. I don't know, I don't think we've seen Martha's best yet. We haven't seen much of her at all, to be honest. but, But that's strange in itself, given how much Rose had in her first season. She was They're concentrating more on the Doctor now. They are. Which I think, to a certain extent, is nice. Mm Yeah, I mean, so they should redress the balance in the next series, I think. If she's still in the next series. It'd be interesting to see where the character goes. At the moment, I personally find her less likeable than I found Rose in the second series, in the Tenant's first series. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Like I say, I find her. I find her still finding her feet, and that's hard. That's a hard sentence to say. But after ten episodes. Well, I, I don't think you can count Blink. To be perfectly honest with you, she was hard. <laughs> Blink, and you missed it. Well, <laughs> true. She. There wasn't much point in her being there at all. No. Other than not to explain why she wasn't there. Yes, but I think Blink was very... Again, moving on. Blink, very well plotted. Uh, Written by someone at the top of their game, I reckon. Oh, definitely. The best writer they've got. So far, up to Blink. Big thumbs aloft, then. For the Mm. most part. Yes, very much so. Daleks aside. Daleks aside. Which I hope don't come back in the season finale again. They wouldn't, would they? Uh, they As the saying goes, means too much Daleks means familiarity breeds contempt. The Daleks could be behind Saxon, for all we know. Right, well, I feel it's about this time of the evening that we need another poem from Domino's. Oh, go on then. Okay, I'll be ready. Improvisation. Okay, are we ready? <clears throat> see if you can guess what's next. Don't be silly. No? Dig up Billy. She's your willy. Okay, it's don't be silly. Try the sweet chilli. Right. Yeah, I'm now going to put that side order of Domino's potato wedges away, and we will at some stage be bringing you the garlic and herb poem. Can't wait. Yes. Ah, my giddy aunt. So, Andy. Yes. Tell me, how do you create a Staggering Stories cover for that wonderful website, www.staggeringstories.net? How do I create a front cover for www.staggeringstories.net? You're heading into Shatner territory there. It's the way. <laughs> how do I create... <clears throat> anyway, how do you go about doing it? I mean, how do you start? People might want to follow this, actually. You've actually done an article on the website itself? Yes, I have. Um, yes, the link to it is called Hold the Front Page, or How Staggering Stories Artwork is Created. It's created? Uh, yes. Ooh. He mm. does creating. Creative stuff. Creative stuff. Like That's actually what we're down under, under the web guide to Doctor Who. Really? We're under, we're under creative works. We are staggering stories. It's .net. .net, but, you know, we lack stories occasionally, but... Uh... <clears throat> <laughs> ah, well, yes, there you go. it's basically just me moaning and uh, you review, referring uh... on the belt. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone uh, nodding their heads sympathetically. And you talking about status quo. Uh, yes. I say things about Ultravox. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was that wonderful band from the eighties. Get a move on, gallery, <laughs> gallery. pictures, yes. covers, things. We've recently had um, your latest cover, fifth cover. Uh, yes, fifth yes. cover. It's coincided with our fifth anniversary, I do believe. From yes. two thousand and one, a space odyssey, not twenty oh one, a space odyssey. <laughs> twenty oh one, pedant. Yes, um, that was very much a last minute decision. That was because I'd saved for about two or three months previously. I'd had an idea sort of based on, um, well, Star Wars, basically. The one with Luke holding up the lightsaber and Leia looking all... Uh... Um, no, nothing like that. I mean, the original idea for the fifth front cover I had was, well, basically all of us, uh, all us four, sort of uh, myself, Tony, Adam and Keith, all cowering in a corner with hor- looks of abject horror on our faces. Probably on sort of one of the uh, control rooms in the, on the uh, Death Star. Oh, sure. And uh, on the other side, mm-hmm. on the uh, right-hand side of the page would have been Darth Vader... Um, as seen from behind, flying, o- flinging open his cloak, 
And so he was exposing himself to us. And this came from your mind? Yes. I see. I mean, Carry the, on. The thing was, I mean... Uh, I'm well, taking notes. One of us would have been having a magnifying glass. Yes, or another one of us would have had an expression of, is that it? <laughs> I believe this is what's known as transference. <laughs> in what way? I wouldn't like to say. No, <laughs> You're far no. too close to me in the you know, physical pain I'm against. <laughs> I suppose the reason why I didn't do it was because, I mean, I do have what are called eureka moments. Where, I mean, whereas... Um, Urethra. <laughs> eureka moments. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, whereas I'd be watching television or something. I mean, most of my ideas come to me when I'm in sort of in that hinterland, but when I'm lying in bed, sort of just, just dozing off. Okay. And then so I just sort of sit bolt upright going, that's uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. So you're in bed bolt upright. Uh-huh. And Perhaps I should I'm sorry, that. this is carry-on gallery. Tony Hart wouldn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. And yeah, <clears> so, <throat> I mean, yes. I was watching, you know, sort of that venerable film, 2001 A Space Odyssey. 21. More on. <laughs> <laughs> and the scene where the uh, geologists sort of have, I mean, they've become aware of the existence of the Tycho monolith. And they actually go to the crater to examine it for the first time. I just thought, ah, as is my habit with taking sort of long-established and very held dear sort of beliefs in science fiction and turning them around 180 degrees and uh, literally tying them in knots, I thought, how about the editorial team of Staggering Stories posing in front while we're having our picture taken, while yours truly, sort of myself... Looking at all the offensive graffiti that's been daubed upon the uh, monolith by a certain um, Sotom called Kriat. You'd never do a thing like that. You never know. I think we better explain just who Kriat is, actually, very quickly. Right. Kriat's a character from the Buccaneer Chronicles that can be found yep. on Staggering Stories. Basically, floating metal head, a little bit pedantic, yes. evil sense of humour, sells illegal lemonade to Cub Scouts. With... Um... Yeah, hallucinogenic and other such properties. Yeah. Yes, um, it's basically Adam's role-playing character in the Buccaneer Chronicles. Yeah. Uh, at some stage, we were actually going to be talking about the Buccaneer Chronicles in this podcast, but I think we'll save that for another time. I think it's going to take an entire podcast. In in itself, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so carry on. So, I mean, l- the idea literally just sort of sprang into my mind. I mean, as I say, I mean, it was a eureka moment. I mean, as I say, inspiration can be a very elusive thing to come by, but I mean, mm, I, agree I, on that. I do have my moments where an idea almost fully formed just leaps into my mind. Wow. How long did it then take to actually implement it? Well, I mean, I do spend a considerable amount of time at work sort of thinking about these things. <laughs> to create a cover, I mean, I'd say the hardest thing is actually sort of... The HB pencil. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Which you will soon find lodged in your forehead. <laughs> Wibble. As I say, the hardest thing is actually sort of getting it from sort of 3D technical of you know, sort of emblazing glory in your mind's eye down onto the paper. Yeah. And as I said in the article, I mean, a lot of paper does mean to crumple demise in my waste paper basket before I do actually have the broad outline of an illustration. Wow. I'd say the last illustration took me about 12 hours to do I mean but I mean that was just working flat out about three hours you know, sort of three maybe four do hours a night do you get sort Ooh. of um, periods where you suddenly get f- frantic frantically do, actually, frantic yes. activity where you, you you're really in the zone uh, yes I do actually I mean there are times especially when I'm sort of, where I do become very involved in what I'm doing I mean as I say I mean I get the bit between my teeth and everything else becomes secondary that is the general sort of well reason for inspiration for the uh, front covers so it starts off with what a basic sketch a basic sketch which um i i refine upon sort of work upon it sort of, sort of pulling sort of the characters here and there sort of and things like that really until i have the basic pencil outlines and then it's a question of just inking those in and then adding all the color and shading sort of making any last minute adjustments to it and that's it hmm. Hmm. sounds easy but uh I know it isn't. Um, no, it's very hard, actually. Yeah. I mean, as I said in the article, I mean, well, I mean, I never, unfortunately, I never really sort of pursued art, art as a career. Yeah, so, I mean, I do believe sort of doing the artwork for Staggering Stories has proved a very valuable outlet for us, sort of, well, right, admittedly, sort of limited sort of artistic capabilities I have. Wouldn't say that. I, have to admit, I mean, I'm going to actually agree with Crumbly over there. I find it's very similar with audio. That's why I asked about the periods of frantic, you know, activity when you find you're in the zone and you're... I, I find exactly the same with the audio stuff. Mm. And I do feel that the, the site in itself is a very... Again, like you, like you just said, it's a very useful outlet. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I've got whole sympathy, sympathies being composed in my head. <laughs> symphonies. I've got whole symphonies being composed in my it's head. It's only like Frank Muir, though. <laughs> well, we've done Dennis Norton. Um, <laughs> That's why I've got it on my mouth. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The site's very useful, even if what people might sort of look at the site and go, I don't know why i'm looking at this i don't know what i'm looking at i mean we've got the quote at the corner underneath the logo i like it but i don't, don't know why. why which i believe was ian mccardle who said that? Said it. yes said it was it. ian mccardle i like, I like it, it but i don't know why <laughs> and i think that's a perfect description it's it's hmm. our kind of yeah our tag yeah our, our tag i mean people I never mean... know quite what to make of us we don't. I've, no, <laughs> frankly. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll freely throw my hands up and admit, I mean, I will never be a great... Blessed art- event. <laughs> I will never be a great artist. But, I mean, okay, I mean, I'll never be an, another uh, sort of Roger Dean or Jim Burns or uh, you know, Chris Foss. I mean, but... No, yeah, I bet you'll allow that you're the very first crumbly. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit, I mean, I'll never be a great artist. I mean, but... As I say, I mean, Staggering Stories does provide me with a very welcome sort of outlet for my sort of artistic capability. Capabilities. I mean, we always said we're not doing the site to be famous, to get noticed, no, or anything no. else like that. We're doing it for ourselves. Yes. Quite frankly, and considering the content of most of it, that's probably just as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like you say, it's, it's given you an outlet for your artwork, it's given me an outlet for music and audio. In fact, music first of all, and then I learnt audio. Yeah. It, it, it's given you a pet project website. To build yep. and everything else like that. A few stories to write. You know, and it's, it's given Keith a chance to go up the Amazon. <laughs> yes. Yes. Such a fungus. No, I mean, yeah. one thing I will say, I mean, I would like to say we do have a cult following. <laughs> yes, he's called Arthur. <laughs> Arthur. Arthur, yes. He lives in uh, Bodmin, I believe. Oh, him, yeah. He gets full disability living allowance, trust me. <laughs> Clear in the community. Okay, moving on, and connected to what we were talking about, audio work and stuff like that, I'm currently DJing for a internet radio station called Uber Guilds Radio. Uber oh. Guilds Radio. I need to, find, need to find somebody who can do a good Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> Governor of uh, California. I had, actually, I did, I did on my first broadcast. What got. This is Uber Guilds Radio. Yeah, exactly, exactly. On the first broadcast, I did actually ask anybody listening in California to go and knock up on the Governor's Mansion door with a digital recorder and ask, you know, that could you just disgusting. please say... That sounds disgusting, Dad. Knock up on his door. <laughs> yes, quite right, too. It's, it's Arnie, he'd like it. He'll clean um, it afterwards. <laughs> it's Arnie, he'd like it. Trust me on this. There, that's slander by some, I think we're safe. Grease up his biceps a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. But I'd start off doing Jellamet Radio, which was, well, for the Jellamet community, which was a pre-recorded yeah. show, which I just played. And then I moved to Vanguard Radio, Vanguard, that great MMO. Yes, which looks beautiful, plays like a pig. A dead pig. We'll have to explain a little bit about that. We'll explain that afterwards. I'll explain later. But we actually, the station itself, whilst it didn't have a huge amount of listeners, was actually popular. In a, it, it's a bizarre way. It's a bizarre juxtaposition, bizarre paradox. It was had a good name, but didn't have that many listeners. So it had some important listeners, or at least some people who worked. We we had Sony Online people, yes, yeah. who used to listen to it, and apparently they found my show interesting, <laughs> which I, I interesting. always worry. But, that sounds um, rather ominous, that does. What happened was the people who run Uber Guilds, which I'm still not in cert- entirely certain what they do, there's some sort of shadowy internet organisation to do with gaming. I don't know. Hosting sites and guilds and I don't know. They scare me, frankly. But you work for them now, so No, I don't, I don't. No, 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 I don't Anyway, they asked us well, they asked the station owner, the Vanguard station owner, to uh, to come up with a new radio station for Ubi Guilds, which would cover not just the one massively multiplayer online game, which Vanguard, but all of them. And he basically asked all the DJs and we went, Yes. Because, frankly, that would give us more people to listen to our nonsense and great 80s music, (laughs) in my case, anyway. So, uh, at the time of recording, I did my first show for them last Saturday on the launch day, which was Saturday often three-hour show, dear God. Well, two hours fifty. Yeah, there was a slight problem with sound at the very, very start, which wasn't my fault. But yeah, these shows are live. Again, similar to this podcast, similar to the music, the music, the musing. 
amusing ah. I did. And I basically have to sit there and waffle and play music and talk to people on an IRC chat room, yep. which is Hash Ubigil's Radio, I think is the name of the room. I can't remember the actual server. The Ubigil's IRC server, anyway. Fielding bizarre PMs from strange individuals asking for bizarre requests. Mm, such as? Yes, such as um, Paul Daniels and the Wizbit theme. Fantastic. <laughs> Yes. He's a genius. Uh-huh. Uh, there, there were other ones that I've blotted from my memory. The A-Team, I think. Was uh, yes, very possibly the A-Team might have been. Any idea who could possibly have sent these? Somebody called know. themselves Terak. Terak. Sounds familiar. Yes. Strange, that. But anyway. It's um, slightly worrying. My show is, my regular show is on Ubergills Radio, www.ubergillsradio.com. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock till 10 o'clock UK time, 3 till 5 um, over in Cloud Cuckoo Land in America, and sometime next Christmas in Australasia. Mm, so why did they decide upon the name Ubergilds Radio? I have no idea. Well, because it's, well, it's Ubergilds. Ubergilds is the site. Ubergu- well, more than just Light the site, it's the organisation. Yeah. Organisation. Yes, so at, it's our associates at Ubergilds Radio, <laughs> yeah. in they, a modern-style way. Do they wear black shirts? I don't know, but um, the, the one thing that's made me feel very, very dirty and unclean and sullied, um, I have to play adverts. Mm. I, I've sold out. Um, I have to. So, I, I, have, I have to play adverts for Sony Online Entertainment. It was either that or I had to sacrifice a goat for them, which they are known for doing, apparently. Or apologise to the Bishop of Manchester, Manchester Cathedral. Cathedral. Yes. <laughs> which apparently, um, they don't, know, don't need to worry about that game, because, you know, it's fantasy violence like Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's anything like that. But anyway, it's really weird having to play adverts. They're not also the have to be best very... adverts in the world, either. Well, frankly. who do you, who did you say was it, uh, created them? Uh, the guy who does voice work for it is a guy called Brenlo. He's got some good jazz music in the background, mate. Yeah, he's, what is he? He's the, uh, the Global Community Relations Director. And in SOE. English, what's that? Uh, he's in charge of community relations across all of their games. He does their podcast as well, the official SOE podcast. Now, this is the official SOE podcast that tried to take the mickey out of the number one SWG, Star Wars Galaxies podcast, if it's Mr. Bubble. Oh my. Well, I'll take the mickey there, they gave a... Back at April Fool's Day, they gave a kind of fake opening segment. Yeah, go on. Which, uh, give it some Mr. Bubble put on, the beginning of theirs, and it, to make out that Sony had bought give it some Mr. Bubble's podcast I wouldn't and taken it over. And it was funny and all that, yeah, it's okay. But the best bit is that, uh, obviously, give it some Mr. Bubble of the give it some Mr. Bubble podcast, which is swgpodcast.com, I think. They, uh, took what he said, um, re-edited it somewhat, splicing words around, and um, made him say a lot of things he didn't intend to say. <laughs> if you'd like to re-edit this podcast, I'd make yeah, it yes, say things. can't get any worse than what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I-, I love that idea. You know, gonna, we're going to take the mickey out of people who take the mickey out of us, only <laughs> to have it completely turn us yeah. over to it, back on them. <laughs> They're, those two are forever taking the mickey out of SOE. Oh, quite right, too. I mean, I can say this on this podcast because I don't think anybody from SOE is going to be listening to it. You never know. I've got to be very careful on Ubergill's radio now. However, I say that I've always said I will not be pushed, file stamped, index. No, I'm not. I I won't be tied down by that. I'm going to speak my mind. I don't see why you shouldn't. No. All right. They want to advertise with us. I think. Don't think that advertising is going to last very long. If I'm honest with you, our our, our, our viewer numbers just aren't up to it. Viewers. Views? Listeners. They get pictures in their head when I talk. That's disturbing. Yes. No, they get voices in their heads. No, that's just that's just online gameplays in general. Trust <laughs> <laughs> me on that. Oh, dear. So, quite simply, I'm now, I, I am a sellout. However, I am still going to be ripping the piss out of SOE. I think you should. I think you should. Yes. They deserve it, I'm afraid. Right, well, I think that just about wraps it up. Um, for this particular podcast, our pilot podcast. However, before we go, there's a couple of things. First of all, <clears throat> it's the latest bit of poetry from Domino's. Oh, oh no, come on. I mean, these these are classy. Are you ready? Yeah. Garlic yes. and herb. Yeah, makes you throw up on the curb. Uh, no, close, but no, 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 crumbly. Garlic and herb. Makes you smell like a herd. Mm, makes you smell like a goat. <laughs> 
again with the goats. What is it about staggering stories and goats? Garlic and herb, it's really superb. Do you see what they did there? Oh, that's just so clever. Oh, I want more of these. I, th- I think we should have some of these for every single podcast. Let's get them on trading standards, frankly. Yes, that's been open for at least three hours. Oh, God, just lick my fingers. Uh, it like that anyway, um, <laughs> now whilst we've been recording this, we've re- been re- we've received some mail, indeed, haven't we? Um, yeah, you've yes, got one there from what's it, the publisher of McFadden Publishing? Yes, George himself, George McFadden. He says, "Dear team, 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 you've all done very well." Yours, George McFadden. Ah, that's very nice. If you think we've done very well, please don't forget to contact us and say, "Oi, bastards! Um, I'm lying here, but you've all done very well." Uh, quite frankly. Yes, I mean, you can actually get in touch with us, which we'll give you the details for uh, afterwards. Um, I've got one here from a Mrs... Well, it's an email, actually. It's yeah. from mrs.trellis at n.wales.co.uk, and she writes, Dear Humph, please can I have your correct address? Yours, Mrs. Trellis. Okay. No, I, I don't know either. And you've got a bottle over there. Yes, I have. Have you indeed? Uh-huh. <laughs> Is it broken? Um, no, but the top's been taken off, and there's... Has it really? Damp in there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a message in a bottle with an Amazonian rainforest postmark on it from our colleague Keith. Hooray! It says, you bastards, you said the missing second series of Firefly was out here. Now I'm stuck in the Amazon rainforest and being worshipped as God by the lost tribe of... Nay, just you wait till next time. Hmm. I can't believe he fell for it, to be perfectly blunt. Well, I know, but he... So it's a good time, so... Well, yes, I mean, how often do you get worshipped as a god? Adam! If you're William Shatner. Yeah, every now and then. Mm, it worries me. In my radio show, I play William Shatner, and the viewing figures go up. It's it's just not right. So does the suicide rate. <laughs> well, yes, Black Friday. Um, anyway... Thursday. Thursday? Really? Already? God, <laughs> we have been recording a long time. Um, yeah. So, to get in touch with us, how do we get in touch with us? Uh, it's the uh, email address. Which is? Show at staggeringstories.com. No. No. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> Sorry, that, that has to stay in. Uh, the, the show uh, at staggeringstories.net. Dot net, that would be. <laughs> yes, yes, we've all said it enough times now. <laughs> right. Uh, so, that's the show at staggeringstories.net. Yes. Forget dot .com. Be interesting to know what happens if you actually look up staggeringstories.com. Yeah, what's one already? What, what was it? Uh, I don't know. That's helpful. Um, okay, uh, yeah. So please do send us your feedback. Um, tell us just how awful our first proper podcast is, and hopefully we'll do another one, which means Adam will buy us more potato wedges. <laughs> Bribe is the only way I can do it. Yep. Um, so um, I basically it's uh, goodbye from me until next time. Toodles. Goodbye from me until probably next time. And this is me, Andy Simkins, signing off. Oh yeah, Flash Git, you've been working on that. Keep in tune. You have been listening to the Staggering Stories podcast, series one, number one, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Andy Simpkins, and Tony Galichon. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers or the site. No copyright infringement is intended, and this podcast is a McFadden Publishing production for www.staggeringstories.net. Now wash your hands.
Available now from StaggeringStories.net, the Buccaneer Chronicles text story, Ghost Walker. I am Lord McFadden Agogo, Bibble Bibble Lumbaramus. That's two Bibbles and one S. This is not natural. It is an abomination. Um, incidents seem to have occurred within three miles of La Hugby Burial Mound. <laughs> I really am going to have to instill some basic manners in you, child. It will be pre-programming the coming banks. Oh, no, Creat. Simple discipline should suffice. An education can do wonders for even the most primitive of brains. Bog off! Lieutenant Colin Curtis, UN. Something is going on with you. Something emotional. We're supposed to be on holiday. I should have known something like this would happen. I suppose this is one of your great attempts at a master plan. God, why can't you just live day to day like the rest of us? I mean, that's just typical. Here we are, supposedly enjoying ourselves, and you find death. I bet you knew something was going on. Actually, no. I bet you're going to say you knew what's going on, even though you don't. If I could be bothered, I'd worry about it, but you're just not worth it. Hmm. Not bad. Crunch lasting all of 30 seconds. Blanche would have been proud. I'm Blanche! <laughs>